are listening to a podcast from The National. Welcome to The National's special edition of Beyond the Headlines. I'm Mina Al-Jurubi and today we are talking about a very special subject that has touched many of our hearts, the Arabic language. As dozens of countries around the world mark World Arabic Language Day today in celebration of the language spoken by more than 420 million people, it is worth remembering why it is so important to preserve Arabic in all forms and dialects in which it is practiced today. Experts note that there are many factors driving the declining use of Arabic, globalization, the digital revolution, outdated teaching methods, the influence of other languages, especially English, and the rapidly increasing use of Arabizi, which is the use of Latin alphabet to spell Arabic words. I'm joined today by the National's senior foreign reporter, Nasser Al-Wesmi, and the National's features writer for arts and lifestyle, Saeed Saeed. Ahlan wa sahlan. Thank you for having me. Hey, how are you? We look at how well a language that has prevailed in the Islamic Golden Age is coping in today's world. There are fears that the ability to write and speak Arabic are being eroded, with Arab youth preferring to speak English. Saeed, I'd like to turn to you. In your reporting, you have spoken to many cultural personalities that have told you that the Arabic language is coming under threat. What are your ideas on this matter? This subject about, you know, the where the Arabic language is going, is it being lost? Is it being eroded? It's, it's a perennial subject in nearly every Arabic literature festival, every Arabic cultural, um, you know, event. And I don't, and a lot of it that I see as well, it's mostly, I want, it's not even about the language. I think there's, I think at the root of it as well, this discussion is a generational gap. You know, it's like, you know, I go, you know, there's, I think there's a different opinion of where, how Arabic should be used. And a lot of the complaints, a lot of the, I mean, and, you know, and these complaints, you know, are, these concerns are legitimate, you know, come, I guess, from a generation of writers, of cultural personalities that are not, you know, that, that, that they're not millennials. They didn't grow up with the digital revolution. So for them, the way they experienced Arabic, you know, which is at the time before globalization, you know, informs their views. So I think, you know, really what it is, is not that I don't feel that the Arabic language, you know, is being lost, but the Arabic language is changing. You know, how we use the Arabic language is changing. And I think that's a normal thing. This, this, this is what happened, you know, with English from, you know, from um, in French language, you know, it, it is, I think it's just a normal progression. And the question is, how do we use it now? And I think that's really, I think, the question here, as opposed to, is it being lost? No, I, I completely agree. And, you know, when you look at English, for example, English is such an amalgamation of different languages uh, that they adopt. You know, every year they add so many different words. Whereas with Arabic, I feel like there is a divide where, you know, the non-millennials, if we should call them that, have this ideal that they want to hold on to Arabic, like as kind of like its purest form. Whereas people who are younger are throwing in English words just because, you know, that's the world that we live in. So mm. when you ask, you know, when you're talking about how is it going to be used, I think there are two different ways that it's going to be used. One is that classical, the classical Arabic, that will never be lost. Unlike, and a huge part that we have to think about is, is the, uh, the importance of the Quran in the Arabic language. You can't translate the Quran and call it, 
you know, the Quran, it's a translation of it, unlike, you know, the, the Bible or something where you can translate from, you know, Latin to, to English to French, and it still more or less retains that kind of spiritual value. The Quran is in Arabic and has to be uh, interpreted as that way. Mm. So classical, as we know it, I think will always be preserved. But it's the dialects. You know, you say 420 million people and, and you can divide that in what? 10 million people and they all speak one dialect. There's 42 different dialects, if not many, many more in the, the, the Arab world. So if anything, I feel like maybe it's it's uh, the colloquial Arabic mm. that might be lost. But the collo- but colloquial Arabic in its nature changes. I don't think it's ever going to be lost because colloquial Arabic, you know, is a form, is, you know, it's a social currency. I mean, you have to know the colloquial language to operate in a particular neighborhood, a society. Yeah. So I think, but I think in its nature, it refreshes, it, it, it becomes different. I mean, the way that we spoke colloquially now changed 10 years ago. For you sure. know, you know, now people are, I mean, people now, like in Arabic, you know, they're saying, hey man, hashtag, you know, so it, it, you're seeing all this kind of, you know, difference. And I think also as well, in terms of classical Arabic, I think you're right, Nasser, because classical Arabic is still important. But again, again, it's just how it is presented. Mm. I'll give you you an example. Tonight, tonight at Amanarat al-Sadiyat, there's going to be a poetry recital. Okay, poetry recital is going to be helmed by two um, Emirati poets. One of them is called Ahmed al-Mana'i, and the second one, the gentleman, is called Hamid al-Hashmi. They're performing tonight in Manara Salia. These, these two are young Emirati poets, and they're doing Nabati poetry. And that's classical. Mm-hmm. I and mean, this is classical, you know, rigorous poetry. Right. So what makes them, what makes these young people, you know, um, go and take on this form. I spoke to Ahmed al-Manai and he did say a lot of Emiratis, you know, are taking um, poetry. I mean, there's, there's a growth in poetry in anthologies being published from the region. So the fact that this is happening, it goes against this notion that the Arabic language is dying. So what makes these young people go and take this on? I spoke to him about it. He's saying the form, they're saying poetry has become a form of expression. Mm. So it's about how do you use the language? They identify the poetry is the way to go. You know, so, and they use the Nabati poetry to discuss issues that are affecting them today. You know, issues of, in, in the mujtama, the, the society. Right, you right. know, so, so they've used the classical Arabic language in a way that's relevant for them. You know, and I think this is an example. Again, it's how we use it. How do we package it? Right. You know, so I think that's by talking about where the Arabic language is going, we're actually we're actually moving the subject away from what's really important is of how do we harness this? Because there's there's definitely an, an appetite right. for this. Right. And, and poetry, for sure. I mean, poetry has traditionally been used as a way to, to one, understand the world and then explain it. Mm. Right. So the thing is, and, and this is where I think uh, the UAE, uh, uh, some of the Gulf countries are doing a really great job that they're promoting it. Absolutely. And they're modernizing. You know, you have the uh, the, uh, the the competition. The Sha'ar al-Munyon. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And you have, that that has a huge popular following. That might as well be like, I think it's on the top 10 ranking of any show on any given week when Absolutely. it's on. Absolutely. And it's like, you know, it's well looked after. The government's behind it. It's shown on primetime television. You know, so there's definitely a response to it. And who's in those shows? These are young poets. Yeah. And who is it hosted by? Actors, you know, from the region that are well known. You know, it's, when you see this show, it, it doesn't feel like it's homework. Right, right. It, 
And I'd like to also add that Bil Arabi is a new governmental initiative that was launched today and it aims to promote the use of the Arabic language on social media channels. And it was formed in response to the fact that young Arabs speaking English these days, they feel like they have bragging rights. And it's causing a lot of concern in the UAE and in the region that no one is actually going to be using Arabic in the next 20 to 30 years. So Nasser, I'd like to turn to you. I mean, what are your thoughts on this? Do you think that this was this initiative, Bil Arabi, was done to counter the fact that the Arabic language, despite its prevalence in the region, um, is on the decline? So this issue of bragging rights, I definitely understand. Where the, I grew up in an English school. I, I went to an English school. I learned English. And, and I had this kind of idea that knowing English, functioning in English meant that you could go further. I mean, let's make no mistake, the lingua franca of the world is English. You can go anywhere in the world and speak English, say from like a, a couple countries, and more or less get by. But with age, I realized the importance of Arabic. And I realized the importance of being able to not just speak it, because, you know, with with people that I just sit or go, like my friends, I can speak Arabic and we can talk about everything, but actually being able to work in it, that has been the challenge. So I can imagine this is, this is the, you know, I graduated more than, more than 10 years ago, but I can imagine how it is now, especially with how uh, the UAE government has kind of pushed English as being a secondary language, but they want people graduating from high schools to a, have a very high level of English because they understand its importance and its relevance in a business context, in a professional context. But at the same time, making sure that they come up with, you know, competency, ability to work, understand, present, talk Arabic, that's huge. And, and, and it doesn't only, you know, first of all, instill a sense of cultural pride because you can argue that the, the, the Arabic, you know, the Arab people's greatest trophy is the language itself. But that also creates social unity to be able to speak to everyone in your country and across the Arab world. So I think that's a great initiative. I think they should push it. And, and there's, there's definitely a, a fear, I think, that you know, uh, uh, teenagers growing up right now might not be paying enough attention in Arabic class, as I did at one point, you know, admittedly. Absolutely. I mean, I was born in Iraq and I lived in Jordan briefly before moving to London, where I've lived all my life. And, you know, at home, my parents refused to speak English with us because they thought you'd learn English in school. So we always maintain the fact that we can speak Arabic at home. And it's really helped me a lot with my career. And it's taken me to places that I never thought I would be in. Um, so I'd like to turn to you both. And I'd like to ask you, how has Arabic helped you in, in your careers as reporters? And at the same time, you know, you've both lived in Western and Eastern countries. And how has Arabic helped with that transition in your lives? See, it was, it's funny that, you know, when you're talking about you know, a sense of um, pride, See, I, um, I was born in Abu Dhabi. I lived here till I was nine, and then I spent 20 years in Melbourne. Now, in Melbourne, uh, we're part of a small, I'm from an Eritrean background, right? So we're part of a small community. And 
it's it was the flip side because knowing Arabic, you know, within our community was considered a bit of a cool thing. Mm. You know, I mean, whether right. you're not a yeah. sellout, you know, that type of yeah. stuff. You yeah. you know, you retain some originality, <laughs> some of your roots. You're keeping it real. Yeah, you're keeping yeah. it real. Yeah. You know, and that's the thing. And you know, so you know, you learn Arabic just to you know, you know, you want to pull out those Arabic words just to let them know I'm I'm here, but not for too long. You know, <laughs> you know, just in case. But you know, but that's the thing. I think, but you know, as, as a young person, you know, what motivated you? You know, was you know the fact that you know you wanted to be cool, you want to be a little bit hip. You know, you know you throw in a few Arabic words in there, but you know, I think the the motivation was there. There was some pride in where you're from. You know, as well, and also as well. I mean, you were you're in a new country. You don't know what's going on. Knowing Arabic, you know, was was important because first of all, I mean, in in terms of the faith, I mean, you you know you you know we you know we're part of the Muslim community. So Arabic language is very important, but also it was an anchor, you know, it was an anchor, you know, you know, in terms of interacting, you know, with people that were like you. So this idea, so, I mean, we, I would love to perhaps, if you could kind of instill some of that same coolness, you know, that we kind of felt, you know, from learning the language, you know, if we had some of that, you know, here. You know, that would help. But I think that is happening. You know, um, I mean, look, I come from, I work for the arts and culture team, the arts and lifestyle team, right? So I report about a lot of stuff that's happening, you know, within that sphere. And a lot of that Arabic coolness is coming back, particularly in music. I mean, look at what's happening in Egypt right now. What are the cool bands? A band called Kairoki. I mean, Kairoki, they're like a really interesting band. You know, I mean, they blend kind of rock, disco stylings, kind of indie, they have an indie rock aesthetic, and they blend it with Arabic language. You know, Arabic language sounds cool, you know, in that context. Look at what's happening with Rami Isam, a, a political Egyptian rocker. His album, by the way, if you check out today's paper, is what we voted as one of the top, you know, top 20 of the year. I mean, he blends, you know, Arabic language, you know, with rock and roll. And you and, and you and when you hear it, you're surprised. Wow, Arabic does sound cool on right. top of these crunchy guitars, you know, and you see it in Arabic hip hop, which is kind of slowly everywhere. Right. So, you know, we should be promoting things like this, you know, promoting like like the poetry as vessels, you know, like this is a platform to showcase, you know, where, you know, how cool the Arabic language is. And and how because like like all like all the great languages, it can adapt. It's malleable. It can kind of move in to, to towards everything. So we have to, in a way, if we can kind of promote, you know, the virtues of it, how it can kind of be a cool thing. How it's not a homework, pro. How it's not a project. Yeah, and I think that's. I mean, I remember when my parents used to drag me and my brother to go to Arabic school on Saturdays. It was always such a chore. But then in the end, you appreciate it because it gives you back so much. As we were living in the West, you know, you're sort of out of touch with your roots. So going to Arabic school meant that you can revise that and you can always kind of, like you said, the you can put an anchor there and you can say, yes, I'm from here. And right. the Arabic language is sort of your foundation. Is that how you felt, Nasser? Well, well, see, the thing is, this whole idea of Arabic being cool, I wasn't introduced to that until I came back from university mm. because I think there is a huge problem in how Arabic is taught. Absolutely. It's mm. the classes that I went to are extremely boring. We were we were being taught, you know, every year in and out the same the same stories, the same lessons. It wasn't like you were actually being taught in a modern way. It's something it's some antiquated antiquated style of teaching it, mm. which made me dislike it growing up and not take an interest. Now, this is what's interesting. And now it's either because 
you know, I, I've turned my eyes to it and I've actually been awoken to it. Or because with any form of globalization, it takes a culture an amount of time to come to grips with how to adopt it, a modern, you know, way of living. So I feel like for a while, globalization was being, was being, uh, uh, perpetuated around the world as kind of like if you want to be globalized you have to speak English but now countries nations cultures are beginning to adopt it mm. in their own way so you get this like this idea of Arabic being cool you get Arabic hip hop you get Arabic TV shows Netflix like high quality you know what I mean like you, an, Rami, mm. an Arabic streaming music service like that of Spotify or Apple Music and when it comes to when it comes to language you know, there's two different schools of thought, either that language limits your way of thinking or that in order to understand, you must be able to speak, right? What's interesting about Arabic and the dialects of Arabic is that by knowing Arabic and by knowing each dialect, you're able to understand the culture fully. So there's a huge difference between when I approach someone, an Arabic, a bilingual speaking person, a subject, you know, someone I'm, I'm, I'm interviewing in English and Arabic. There's almost like, there's completely two different ways of speaking, of explaining things, of understanding the, 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 the topic altogether. And then that goes even further because whenever you go to a country and you start picking up on their own slang words, like Egypt is known, you know, like words like Ishta, yeah? Mm. Ishta just kind of defines the cool uh, persona of an Egyptian, you mm. know? When you go to Kuwait and we have our own life, and that's just kind of how you relate. And I think you see that diversity, you know, that, I mean, it mean to, I mean, I think we are celebrating it, for example, in, 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 in certain parts. Like, let's look, at our, let's look at our Arabic television series, right? Look at the way that these shows are being dubbed. Right, it's a mixture of in one one show it'll be Egyptian, you know. On yeah. one hand, it'll be Syrian. For some reason, Syrian dialect is great for romantic shows. Absolutely, you know. While comedy, they go for the rapid fire of Egyptian. Right. So it goes to show you as well. So I mean, these languages are being used so in a way. To entertainment industry, they're using it. They know that the way to reach the peoples by using a certain part of Arabic. So they know what language. So they know that in a sense that what is cool. They right. know what what works. So we kind of as well if the education system kind of follows that, you know, as well. I just want a last point about that. You're seeing a little bit of that happening even in English, because English as well, they grapple with the same thing. How do you teach English? There was reports like coming out this year that school teachers were using Kendrick Lamar lyrics, the rapper, you know what I mean, yeah. to inspire, you know, to inspire the children in, into learning the language. So, so you know, so if they're doing that, you know, if the if the Oxford Dictionary every year is in putting new words in there to acknowledge what's being used, we should also be as open as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, this has been a special edition of Beyond the Headlines. I'm Nina Al-Jurubi, and I'd like to thank Nasr Al-Wasmi and Saeed Saeed for joining us today and Kevin Jeffers for producing it. We'll be back on Wednesday for our usual Beyond the Headlines podcast, which is found on iTunes. <laughs>